What's going on? It's the Out of Play Podcast. Will Trubshaw, Jordan Gould, and Jackson Kinney. Another week, and guess what? We have more Astros stuff to talk about, because this team, they cannot stay out of the headlines right now. What an absolute clown show down in Houston. Oh, you know what blows my mind? They had an operation with, with their pitch dealing called Code Breaker. Yeah. Like, if they were – like, it's amazing they got away with, with it for this long, but to call an operation Code Breaker – it's kind of cool, honestly. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad like, it has a cool name. Can you give it something that doesn't give away what you're doing? I, I don't know. Serious. Uh, to, it uh. just it blows my mind how yeah. I guess to that point, as we just we dive right in here, like that's a different th- show. Well, that is a different show. Shout out Caleb Kaufman and Maxwell Glenn on IUS TV Sports. Diving in. It's a water polo show. Uh, sorry, I had to make that joke. Uh, but anyway, but I mean like. Like everything they did is so just like poor. Like literally, when you have a code name like that, like, like this is like the stuff of like a bad like supervillain movie, you know? Yeah. Where they like like everything is so like obvious, but and it's just under the surface, and, but it took till now to break through. I mean, really, like this is the last three years, um, that all this is happening, and it's finally coming to the surface now, and it's just. Like, everything that comes out just makes them look worse. Yeah. So, for, like, context, Codebreaker was an Excel document. It was an Excel file that the higher-ups in the Astros organization, when they felt that they detected signs or stealing signs from other teams, they loaded it into this Excel document. And so, you know, the whole roster organization could see it and kind of communicate and know what's coming through that. So, it's just... The whole operation, it's its just ridiculous. It's so Ocean's Eleven and crazy. Uh, but, yeah, the Astros are, I don't know, they're, they're in a world of trouble. And this, the the target on their backs just continues to get bigger. Um, again, really no remorse. AJ, AJ Hinch actually went on MLB Network this past week. I don't know if you guys saw. And he had the chance to apologize. I mean, he... He pretty much stated every, you know, everything the commissioner found through their findings. But aside from that, they oh, will sorry. Aside from that, they just he didn't say anything else. I mean, he just went over what the MLB and the commissioner's office found, and he kind of left it at that. So he had a chance to apologize, didn't. And the same has been said with players like Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, the current Astros. They just they're not. They're not they really suck. giving up much. I hate the Astros. But, you know, even yeah. all my owner, hate Jim the Crane, that, I think that, that's the main reason we want to talk about them this week is they, it was yesterday, uh, Thursday, the, the Astros had uh, a big press conference at their spring training facility, and Jim Crane, their owner, comes and speaks, and he has a prepared speech in front of him, not, clearly not sincere. And then he goes, well, you know, I'm not really at fault here. I didn't do anything wrong. And paraphrasing, of course. And then he's like, you know, we may have cheated, but it didn't hurt the game. We didn't do any damage to the game. It's like, are you kidding me? How? Like, I don't know how you can say that with a straight face. I, like, honestly. Yeah, it's it's baffling. Yeah. And again, I mean, we thought the story would probably be, you know, three months ago is when the first reports came out. If you remember that athletic story where Mike Fires gave a little bit up about what the Astros were doing, and it's just escalated, and it's dominated offseason talks. I mean, you think we'd be talking, here you are, pitchers and catchers reported this past week, and we're not talking about, you know, the front runners for the World Series right now. We're still talking about the Astros and 
these ridiculous or some might say ridiculous rule changes or proposed changes, which we'll get to in a bit. But yeah, the Astros still dominating the headlines and you know, the first games are slated for I think the February twenty second, so eight days from now and here we are. Do we want to start with the rules? Can we if we're gonna if we're gonna start with the rules, can we start with the ones that are real? That are actually happening. So I'm kind of upset. I'm kind of sad Drew's not here because yeah, him and we, I we were are gonna in have agreement. we were gonna have a uh, a friend on this week. His alarms didn't go off. His phone died. Things happen. It's no big deal. We'll have probably, him on again. Probably needed a trash can to bang to wake him up. That would have done it. He, he needed uh, Carlos Beltran there. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his phone wouldn't die if Beltran would have been in charge of it. But. Uh, We'll have him on another week, but you were saying he was he agrees with you on some of the rule proposals. So, but I think we need to wait on the proposals and just get into the real rules that are coming into effect, which I'm pulling up here. But what the for me the biggest one uh, is the three batter minimum for a pitcher rule that was proposed last year and got some traction. Now it's official, where a reliever has to come in and face three batters minimum, no more specialist guys facing one batter and getting them out of there. Three batters, that's it. So, uh, Jordan, you're you're really shaking your head over there. What do you have to say about this? Because I think it's a lot. It's terrible. The three batter minimum is absolutely terrible. Like, I don't understand it. I understand you're trying to shorten the game. But, you know, some I was listening to an ESPN Daily podcast earlier this week where they talked about these some of these rule changes and do people really care who are going to see games if a game is three hours and three minutes to two hours and 56 minutes? You might be shortening it a little bit, but, I mean, do people really care about, like, that little of a change? I just don't. It takes away strategy, particular for a manager like Francona, who I've watched, you know, since he arrived in Cleveland, who just – he has his specialties, uh, specialty bullpen guys like Mark Zepchinski in 2016. He would come in. As a lefty, face face a lefty, either the lefty on lefty matchup, and get out of there. Now you have a situation where you're, you're going to have to not only look at the current batter that you're bringing in for a pitcher to face, but the two batters after that. Does that not bring even more strategy in? No, I, I think it's a total disadvantage to pitchers and especially uh, strategy as far as bullpen. But uh, if you look at the number goes. of strikeouts through the years and how they've gone up recently and how the pitchers seem – it's either going to be strikeout or home run. Maybe it's a bit more to take away some of the pitcher advantage. That's kind of a straw man argument I've seen. I I, I don't mind it because, uh, frankly, uh, David Bell and the Reds, and even with when Brian Price or Jim Riggleman were managing the Reds, this was never really an issue. Tim Riggleman. Yeah, oh. Rim Jiggleman. Yeah. Uh, it was never an issue because they never had any specialists. Their left-handers came in, and they did work. That's just what they did, and they still do. I mean, Amir Garrett comes in; he does work as long as he can. So I don't. It doesn't bother me at all, really. And Will, I don't know if the Cubs do it or if you care about this rule change at all. I, I don't know. Well, I. I mean, personally, I, you know, I can't. I can't think of. I, I think with like most teams, it's always been that you have a lefty specialist or something. Especially in the modern era, I don't. To me, it just kind of like I feel like it's not going to change much. Like I, I you know. I was talking to someone yesterday, and it's like when you think about it back back in the, the the golden age of baseball, you know, you had one or two pitchers the whole game, right? You didn't have specialists and stuff, and the game was just fine, right? That was but, mighty boomer of you. Baseball well, is the golden now, age of baseball. Well, baseball's different now. Yeah, but I mean, 
like to me, like the, the more the more than anything, this is just Rob Man, Rob Manfred making a move to make a move, just to say, hey, like I did something. Like th- this is like a president just pushing out like a a, a bill for like well uh, saying like I'll, I'll try and get clean water to people in like the next hundred. Like it doesn't do anything. It's just like it's like a little pat on the back, a little badge. Like I don't think it's going to change anything fundamentally. You know, it might shorten the game a little bit, but I, I agree with Jordan to your point. Like, it's not going to change things drastically. This is not the shortening that they need. I don't think shortening the game is the issue. That's well, the least of their yeah. issues right now. If you want to hear the real specifics of it, I have, I have the rule pulled up right here. And you, it here is, here's the other thing. Players, all they're going to do is fake injuries after one or two batters. So they well, that, it's going to slow the game well, down. Well, no, they've got a system in place for that. So the official rule is... They've been amended to require the starting or any relief pitcher to pitch a minimum of three batters, including the batter then at the bat or any substitute batter for that batter, until such batters are put out or reach base or until the offensive team is put out. So if there are only two outs to get, sure. I mean, I don't know. You can't force them to face a third. So if there are only two outs to get when you put them in, whatever. Um... Now, unless so, this, so, does that mean if there's one out in the inning, and, and you pull your starter and put in a bullpen guy, and he gets those two outs, he does not have to come out and get a third batter. Yeah. Okay. Well. So there's that. So, and then unless the substitute pitcher s- sustains an injury or illness, in which the umpire crew chief's judgment, and if the if the umpire crew chief sees him as incapacitated from further playing as a pitcher, then you can take him out. All right. So if you can't fake an injury, well, you can, but you just have to fool the crew chief umpire. I feel like that wouldn't be that hard to do, honestly. Well, like, I, some of the guys, not at all. Yeah, some of those guys are pretty good actors. Uh, they'll find ways around it. So it's, it's kind all of All you got to do is bend down, grab your hamstring, and walk a little gingerly, and they'll say, yeah, get out of the game. I like, feel some like of, some so, of the younger pitchers might try and do that, but the older guys... They, if they tried to do that, the umpire would just come up and be like, come on, are you, are you BSing us right now? And the older pitcher would either keep lying or just go, yeah, I just don't want to do this. And then life would go on. So, I mean, I don't know. It's a weird rule. It's it's definitely strange. It doesn't go into effect technically until Thursday, March 12th, when spring training games really kick off. So, so there's still time. We can reverse the curse. <laughs> yeah, so why? what I don't understand is – Okay, you want to try this out, like, good for you, but how about do a trial, do it in the minor leagues first? Well, they probably did uh, down in single Maybe. A, or I, I honestly have no knowledge of that, just like they tried out but, robot umps down there for a while. Yeah, and robot umps, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I, I don't, I think there has to be, at least if even if they did do that, it just wasn't really publicized in the media well. Because I, you know, I wasn't really aware that much. But you think about other times. That's just me giving Rob Manfred the benefit of the doubt, which at this yeah. point I'm very hesitant <laughs> like to do. Of. So you know, you know that oh. rule they established a couple. Maybe it was hey, well, probably only two years old. Just want to cut in really yeah. quick. Uh, they actually last all of last year they had the three batter minimum rule for pitchers in minor league baseball. Interesting. Okay, okay. So, so that's and that all of minor league up through AAA. Uh, Yes. Okay. Any starting pitcher, reliever in Double A AA or Triple A is required to face at least three batters. See, I figured if they're going to implement it in the major leagues, then they tested it enough to where they think it could be beneficial. 
right, so here's one more counter argument. I mean, this this might have more to do with the juice balls last year than the three better minimum, but offensive numbers spiked in the minor leagues, like by a lot. It made it a lot harder for teams to evaluate where their players were at because generally they're they're pretty standard markings for when you're in minor league baseball and if you're hitting X, Y, and Z, you've got you know X amount of home runs, batting X, you know, average wise. Uh, it's safe to call you up, or you know, maybe you need a little more time, or maybe this you need to be sent back down to Double A, Triple A, whatever. Um, but I feel I mean, this is my theory: three better or three better minimum. If a pitcher's just getting the shit knocked out of him, you know, he's got to face three batters regardless. That's gonna lead to more offense. That'll make longer. Yeah, but games. how? But how often does one pitcher just get shelled that hard? It it happens maybe well, once we every few weeks. But we don't know because it's so singular. You, you can throw one guy out there and then he's done. You know, you don't. It's not like when you have a guy out there for in theory a full inning. Now, obviously, if he gives up like three straight homers, that's his three batter minimum. They can yank him out. Yeah, of him. but still, the damage is done. You know. If, yeah, but there's also a good chance if he was going in as a normal reliever, they were going to leave him in for three batters anyway, regardless, unless unless it was just so bad, unless it was a grand slam off the bat, or, yeah, off the start of his appearance. I don't know. I don't know. In my opinion, you're sacrificing a strategy here for time, like uh, just shortening in an effort to try to shorten the game, and I don't know if it's – I don't know if this move is necessarily worth it in my opinion. You well – Hold on. You look at something else, though, that I wanted to bring up earlier – Another rule, remember, guys, when they 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 instrumented like a thirty second clock between pitches, and like how that's never enforced. I mean, the clock it, well, the clock hits zero, and it's like pit, sometimes the pitchers aren't even throwing it. It's like the clock's just there, but it doesn't really do anything. I think it's the rule is they have to be in their set with the ball ready to wind up when the clock hits zero. Well, regardless, I, I don't But know, speaking of a 30-second clock, another rule change is but, there is a reduction in challenge time now. So, since instant replay has been implemented in the major leagues, managers have had up to 30 seconds to challenge a play. That's going to be reduced down to 20 now. So there's less time where a manager can mull it over with his video team and go, hey, we want to review that. So that could be a bigger strategy play. And then there are a lot of roster rules that were added, a lot of roster rules. So rosters through August 31st in the postseason, we knew that they were going to be expanded from 25 to 26. So there's going to be that extra player. Right, well, that's the whole season now. It's 26-man rosters. Yeah, Yeah. and then when you get to September, it's now you can't just call up everybody. You can only have 28 Mm -hmm. players on the roster in September. And... um. I think for the roster with the 26, yeah, you can only have a maximum of 13 pitchers on from opening day through August. Yeah. So I don't know how big a deal that's going to be. And then once it expands to 28, a club can have 14 pitchers. So realistically, they can call up their best position player from the minors and their best pitcher from the minors if they wanted to. And now, with the introduction of Shohei Otani and Michael Lorenzen, who feel like they can do it all and play in the field and pitch and hit and hit home runs, there's a new two-way player designation rule. Players who qualify as two-way players may appear as pitchers during a game without counting towards a club's pitcher limitations. A player will qualify as a two-way player only if he accrues both at least 20 major league innings pitched and at least 20 major league games started as a position player or designated hitter, with at least three plate appearances in each of those games 
in either the current championship season or the prior championship season. For 2020, this will include 2019 and 2018. That's the only time it'll go two years back. The club must designate that player as a two-way player in advance of that game. Once a club designates a qualified two-way player, that designation will remain in effect and cannot change for the remainder of that championship season and postseason. So that seems a little excessive. Like, why not just have a guy who can play two ways? Like, why why do they need the whole designation? I'm not sure what their reasoning is, but Shohei Otani is going to qualify for that right off the bat. Lorenzen, I don't think, has 20 starts in the outfield for the Reds. So I think it might take a little bit longer for him to get that designation, but he will get it because the club has said he's going to get more time out there. Um, well, this all, that confirms my theory. I had a, uh, a thought a while back that with the trimming of the roster size and stuff, it would lead to more teams trying to develop two-way players for this exact reason, You know, more flexibility with the schedule. So mm-hmm. there you go. Um, and now cool. with the extra player rule, like a team might need an extra player for a doubleheader yeah. or something. Now that instead of... That being a 26th player, they're going to bump that up to the 27th player, and the club may designate a, f- a 14th pitcher for that during the regular season. That goes back to the first rule where the roster is expanded to 26. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, which is my least favorite of all of these, even the three batter minimum, is they change the rules for position players pitching. Mm-hmm. Any player may appear as a pitcher following the ninth inning of an extra inning game or in any game in which his team is losing or winning by more than six runs when the player enters as a pitcher. So you can't just do it for the hell of it now. You have to, There have to be rules with it now, and it just kind of takes away from it. Well, see, that was fun. There's I, a certain I, magic with position players pitching. I agree. So but, that's all the new rule changes that are official for the 2020 yeah, season. I mean, some of those, uh, I guess they're good. But, like, uh, Jordan, going back to what you were talking about for a second, I, mean, I honestly kind of refreshed me. I kind of I, I blanked out there. But you were you were making a point about the – was it the pitch clocks or the – Yeah, yeah. I mean, I brought up that as an example of just a rule that just seems to be in place but doesn't really seem to do anything, have yeah. any effect on the game. Yeah, I, again, I, I feel like it's just Rob Manfred just doing – just stuff to say he did stuff. Some of those that you mentioned, Jackson, I mean, like, I li- I, I guess I kind of get the two-way designation. Like, I, I like that. I, I think it's... It, it, I like it's, the challenge play rule a lot. So now you only have 20 seconds to do it. I think that'll... Because everybody complains about how long reviews take, so... Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like... But, it, like, if they only have 20 seconds to do it, like, they're... At the same time, they'll get... I think what they need to do is change what plays can get reviewed, you know? And, I mean, 20 seconds feels like... I, I think you could give them at least a minute. Like twenty seconds. 20 seconds, that is... You gotta make a pretty snap decision. By the time you get over the headset, put the monitor on... I mean, you gotta... You have to have, like, some really crystal clear looks. I mean, I, you know, honestly, you could get... It might take... I don't know, two minutes, three minutes to look through four or five, six different looks, depending on what camera angles they have. Like That's fair. I don't know. 20 seconds seems a little short for that. but uh, Okay. So, Jordan, I know you want to get to this. Do you have it pulled up in front of you? Do you have the proposal pulled up in front of you? I don't know, but do you? No, I'll, I'll pull it up just uh, just because we need to talk about this. Why don't you preface this, Jordan? Yeah, so this is something I actually like. You heard me rant about the three-better minimum. But I do like this new or uh, potential that uh, – Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred are exploring for the postseason format 
of basically having, you know, adding, what is it, two two teams from each league, I think, or uh, to the, to the would, postseason? It would move from five, a five-team five playoff seven. in each league to seven. Yeah. yeah, so two teams in each league, so it would be 14 total teams in the postseason, and which would give, you know, I think it would give the make an argument for the uh, lower market teams such as, I mean, yeah, the Rays had a magical run last year, but such as maybe the Brewers or the Rays or, you know, teams with smaller markets to give them a chance over the higher market teams. And I don't know, that's kind of that's kind of the big takeaway. But I know you can also the top seeds are able to pick who they who their opponent is as well, which is kind of an interesting uh, tidbit. But do you have the rules in front of you? It might be almost. Better. Yeah. Well, I, I will say the, the top seed picking their own team, that is ridiculous. That is Bush League. That's my least favorite part of that um, proposal. Like, no other of the four major sports. I know, I think it's the WNBA does it, and apparently it's worked out very well for them. But they also have an even number of teams with seven. Uh, to me, the, the competitive balance or imbalance that could show up in baseball, if you expand to a seven-team league, right. that would make it have, so so hard. I and have like, the rules. Why? Like, why wouldn't you just pick the worst team anyway? If you're the one seed, why wouldn't you just play the seven seed? You know, like, why wouldn't it just be that every time? You know, right. That's gonna be the easiest matchup. So let's so, the rules and then I'll elaborate. These would begin in 2022. And this was first reported by the New York Post. Somehow this got out there, the proposal. And by somehow, I mean Rob Manfred probably let it get out there. We'll, we'll get to that point in a second. <clears throat> so, Someone leaked. Beginning in 2022, the MLB is seriously weighing a move from five to seven teams in the playoffs. In this concept, the team with the best record in each league would receive a bye week to avoid the wild card round and go directly to the division series of their league. The two other division winners and the wild card with the next best record would each host all three games in a best of three wild card round. So the bottom three wild cards would have no first round home games. The division winner with the second best record in the league would then get the first pick of its opponent from those lower three wild cards. Then the other division winner would pick, leaving the last two wild cards to play each other. So if we want to go. That's that's the proposal, but if you want to hear a real-life example, let's use the American League last season, okay? You have the Astros who had the best record. Sure. They get the bye. They don't have to worry about this. The Yankees have the second-best record. They would have had the choice to have played the Rays, Indians, and Red Sox. Boston had the worst record of that group. So would the Yankees pick Boston, who were supposedly the worst team in that group? Or would they worry about the pressure of playing a series against Boston in the playoffs? You know, I can see where that creates some intrigue and some drama. However, I think it's stupid. I, to me, I don't, like, the the seven-team expansion also, real quick. doesn't bother me that much. But, like, at the same time, it, it feels like, I guess it's case by case. You can look at any sport now, like the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. uh, in the NBA, or the Western Conference in the NHL, where half the teams are, uh, well, they suck. I, in, in the NBA, ha, ha, like half the teams that are going to get in for the Eastern Conference are Yeah, I mean, the one versus eight seed matchup is going to be, it's a you joke. know who's going to win. Yeah. But, okay, there's still a twist to this. So the Yankees pick whoever they pick. The Twins would have then picked the next 
as the other division winner. So they get to pick either the – say the Yankees do pick the Red Sox. The Twins get to pick either the Indians or the Rays. Whatever. And then the A's with the best wild card record would play the team not chosen by the Yankees or the Twins. Okay. So you'd have two division winners and then the best wild card and the other – there's three other wild cards? I don't know. It's it's so hard to understand for me. That's – I don't know if I'm dumb or this is dumb. Maybe both. I I don't know. This is – thrown me into such a loop and it's just so stupid it should not be this difficult yeah i to me i just i i worry about really because i think one thing that makes the baseball playoffs so good is that generally it is incredibly competitive unless you're like the a's playing right and there is drama i mean in the past two years we've seen game 163s where like the cubs had to play colorado to determine who would get a certain wild card spot or win their division yeah essentially yeah um, I mean, there have been multiple big dramatic games without having this. And yeah. the main point of this is Rob Manfred gets to have this selection show be on TV like March Madness Selection Sunday. I mean, that's really all it is for me is to get people to watch a selection show. It's not about making the baseball playoff product better. Uh, yeah, and I feel like the other thing, too, if you give, like, the number one seed a whole bye week, uh, like, I, I don't know. And if that's they, where, if they, I don't know and if that's where Trevor little. Bauer comes into it ah. because he made the point in a video rant he posted the day the proposal came out. He was so fired up he got a video out the day it came out where he made the point, what if your ace pitches four days before the end of the regular season? And then he's got ten days as the number one seed – to just rest. The whole team has 10 days to rest. Then your whole rhythm, rhythm is thrown off because it's not like football or basketball. Baseball players, especially pitchers, have those weird routines where if they're not followed, they come out like trash. It's weird. Yeah. Oh, and, I mean, baseball is a sport that you play every day. So, like, all right. So, here's my counter arguments to why here's, I'm the devil's advocate to liking this system. Okay. So, that, so the 10-day break or whatever you're talking about. <sighs> Pitchers have bullpen sessions. It's not like they sit around for 10 days and don't do anything. You can simulate games. There's other ways than yeah. actually playing the game to get your pitch count in, to simulate those real game scenarios so you're sure. ready for you know when your time comes. Can I offer my short devil's advocate sure. point to that? Sure, let's hear your counter. For a pitcher, there's nothing like pitching or any player in playing game, right? in a real game. Sure, I buy that. I can get that. But Especially a playoff game. But it's not sitting around for 10 days. There's, there are ways to stay active. They'll involved. be moving around, but it, yeah. it, they fall out of that competitive sure. mode, maybe. Sure. I'll, I don't I'll, know. I'll buy that. I'll yeah. buy that. I, I, I get that. I feel like that's something you see, again, to use a comparison in other sports where the playoffs are larger. When you have those teams that have the first-round buys or something, uh, they're, and, they're, I mean, even look at, like, the playoffs last year. Um, NHL? Dod- the, the, oh, I was going to bring baseball. up an NHL example. Well, we could do But I, I, I'm thinking specifically of the Dodgers last year. You know, they're the number one seed. They don't have to play the wild card weekend as it is now. Or, you know, they, they wait for the wild card game and stuff. But they, they've been in cruise control because they've had the West on lock since, like, August, right? So then you can see even, like, even then they're playing games, but the, the guys are kind of sitting out. And they got completely sucker punched by the Nationals. Who go on to win the World Series? So and the Nationals, by comparison, had to play tooth and nail a dogfight every game leading up to the playoffs and through the wild card game. Right. So you, uh, you know you can argue that the odds will be fresher. Goes to my argument. I was going to bring up the National Hockey League playoffs last season. Yeah. Where the number one seed best record in the league, Tampa Bay Lightning, 
got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets who limped into the playoffs, but they had the Blue Jackets had to dogfight every game mm-hmm. and were in that mode where it was win or die. The Lightning, like the Dodgers, cruised in and got slapped. I mean, so yeah, so I so I get like so and, and that goes to Jordan's point. It could be good to expand the playoffs and those early round matchups could be good. Maybe a lesser team does get in. I don't think you need a week off. You no, know, you don't need a week off, but th- I'm trying to say that Jordan does have a point where expanding the playoffs to add more teams isn't a bad thing. It's just my no. problem is the whole drama I think reality TV show aspect. I'd, I'd agree with the way—but here, but here's the other thing. I mean, baseball is getting later and later in the year as it is. I mean, we'll be watching the World Series for Christmas. This is, well, no, <laughs> like, like this—like, wh- when are they planning to start the playoffs? Like, would it be the same as always? Would they take a few games off the regular season? Uh, so they could still keep the World Series in October, or is this going to become like we're playing the World Series the second week of November now, like yeah. post, post? Well, uh, the issue whatever, with you know? all of this is well, like well, to me, there there are a lot of moving parts that I feel, and like people can, you know, people complain about the longevity of games one, but I, again, I don't think that's the main issue. But they also complain about how long the baseball season goes, and it's like to me, like this, this would sort of exacerbate the problem? Kind of? Yeah. Like, I feel like it make it a little longer? Well, if you want to hear a problem, you know who has a problem with this, and where it could make a problem for every single fan in existence is the CBA expires in 2021 20, after that season. <laughs> it expires in two years, basically. And the MLBPA is not down with this proposal. They do not like it. They've come out and said that it, it was not ever brought up as a formal proposal in talks with the league. Rob Manfred mentioned it in an informal conversation. Now it's out here as a proposal, like it could be a real thing, and the MLPA, MLBPA is pissed. Yeah. So I have, I have two arguments that I haven't had to make yet. So one, we haven't really talked about the wild card round going to three games instead of the one game. I think that, I mean, I've been waiting for this to happen. I, I don't understand how you can play 162 games and have two teams face off in one game and decide your season, especially when in the regular season, no series is shorter than two games. Right? And obviously in the playoffs, you can't have two because you have to have an odd number. But to me, three games, is, it's a no-brainer. So I love that idea. Okay, the second thing is you've seen leagues right now like the NBA at the top right now of, of professional sports. March Madness, people love it. There's so many games to watch. There's so much in the line. TV loves it. So MLB is saying... Rob Manfred, all right, why not add more games? Let's make more money, right? Because it, money makes the world go round. That's what makes baseball attractive, particularly to the teams, to the owners, everyone involved. Their TV networks are be bidding on more games, and to me, it's just a win-win. Why well, not extend the product? To be fair, let's not pretend. Can. Let's not pretend like teams are poor here. I mean, the Royals, the Kansas City Royals, all team just sold for a billion dollars. No team is poor. There's just that. the rich and the greater rich. So yeah. the more money for each team argument for me is kind of like, who cares? They're already worth a billion dollars in Kansas freaking city. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I think there's a correlation is not imply causation thing there. Like the reason why the NBA is big, yeah, they've got a lot of big games, but they promote their stars and their media sharing is second to none. Sure. The way, yeah, they, and the, the way uh, they promote their teams, their games, everything – like anybody could pick up um, a clip of of NBA of an NBA game, push it on Twitter, um, and it goes crazy, it goes viral. 
you do that with the MLB, your your Twitter account gets suspended. Like they are so strict. They don't. They that's what I've kind of been alluding to is like they're focusing on all the wrong things. Uh, I agree. A few more games give people more to watch. It's good, but you need to you need to also give them other places to watch because they're not just watching on their TVs anymore. People are like when I watch an NBA game, I'm scrolling through Twitter to see the replay of LeBron James dunk five different times from different outlets. Baseball doesn't do that outside of the MLB official account, you know? And the the other thing is, uh, if you want to get to the younger generation, I mean, you got to do that, you know? If you can sell it to kids in junior high, high school, that's where you grow your sport. You know, it's not the adults who gives a shit about them. They're not going to be playing in baseball. It's the young kids you got to grow. You got to get them to love and appreciate the game. And the only way you do that it's through the modern means, the way the NBA, even the way the NHL and NFL have done it. They're so much better. They they get their stars on camera. Like, so, uh, I think it was Bauer who made the point, Steph Curry makes a little bounce pass, um, and the clip has 1.5 million views on Twitter. And, you know, Mike Trout's Robin home runs. Uh, Jackson, you made a point. You, Eugenio Suarez had 49 home runs. I don't think, if unless you, like, Nobody follow baseball closely. Nobody knew he had almost 50 home runs. Until, like, the last two weeks of the season. Yes, it, like, unless, like, if you don't follow, like, it is common knowledge, I I would say, even if you don't follow sports, that Steph Curry is one of the best players in the NBA, and he, he could drop 20, 30 points a game. I don't think people could tell you that Mike Trout uh, has been second, unless you follow baseball closely. Like, if you walked up to some random person on the street, they would, they, they might not even know who Mike Trout is. And that is that's the problem with baseball, that it's not, it's not enough games or the they're they're concerned about the money because they just want to line their coffers. Rob Manfred just wants to make more money, true. but that's not the issue. Smaller markets also don't help, and we you see a lot of Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge, this this in New York, right? Mm-hmm. You see L.A. Bellinger, Bellinger, you know Kershaw when he was through his peak. But you know I I think of. You made a good point with uh, Suarez, 49 dingers. How about in the NFL, Jameis Winston led the league in pass yards, but nobody talked about that. He also right? led the league because in Because he's in Tampa Bay. Right. He right. did. Also, you got Lisa Kaiser. <laughs> Shout out, Jameis. I know MLB released, like, their top 100 players. Of yeah, course, I'm Trout. pissed. I'm Trout. pissed. Fire Rob Manfred. Uh, yeah, fire, fire Rob Manfred. I'm <laughs> pissed about the top 100 because Joey Votto's not in there, but they have Keston Hura. Wait, yeah, Joey Votto's not in the top 100 right now? No. How is Keston here in the top 100? They, they don't have Sonny Gray either. That's a different thing, though. But they ha- wow. But they have the likes of check that. Tim Garver and Jorge Polanco, and oh. and they're all good players, and this is all in the 80 to 100 range, so it's all very close. But, like, I don't know, dude. I feel like Votto could sneak in there at some point, or Sonny Gray should be able to sneak in there at some point. He was getting Cy Young talk. But, wow, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. We Jorge could- Soler. Is the 69th best player in Major League Baseball right now, according to the MLB? So and that's nice, but like he had 51 home runs last year. Or Jorge, like I don't know. Jorge Soler. All yeah. he can do is hit home runs, right? I Which don't know. like is cool, but like I don't know what else he does. Joey Gallo, the strikeout king, got 64. Yeah, I agree. There's there's some names. Sonny Gray was better than Clayton Kershaw last year, but Kershaw got 61st. Uh, Soler had 48 of his 86 career home runs last year, and he was worth what? three points. 48, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not 51. Because <laughs> he, he was always injured. until Last year, I think, was like the first full year he played like a full season. 
Oh, there's the player that uh, upset me. Soroka on the Braves was in there, oh. and Sonny Gray wasn't. Wow. Well, I Soroka had a good like. I, yeah, but Sonny Gray had a great year. There, there's definitely other players that should not have been in over Sonny Gray. I, I would, I'd agree with that. It's a. And then the only other one that kind of pissed me off was Whit Merrifield being at 56 when I feel like he should be a top 20 player. He's a great yeah, player. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, there, there's some questionable ones. Uh, like, uh, it, but it's fine. That happens. Um, so had Marcus Semyon in like the top 30 after like not being ranked last year. And like, yeah, he was an MVP candidate. He, last he was year. an MVP candidate, MVP but it's votes. like, come that like. I, I feel like there 30. should be no Astro players in this. Yeah, yeah, Bregman. After Bregman all the, at five. Yeah, Bregman, uh, no. Springer at 18, Altuve at 17. Nah, just get them out of there, dude. We don't know how much they use their cheating system. Yeah. Verlander can say he was a pitcher, but anyway. I don't know. We we can dive more into it next. That that can be another time. And also, guys, we have coming up, of course, uh, we're going to have to do our preview, divisional preview shows. Yeah, that that might be next week. So I'm excited for that. uh, Um, uh, And before we go, I do want to mention it is the 100th anniversary of the Negro Leagues, so... There's going to be a lot of Negro League history around baseball this year, honoring the players there like Buck O'Neill and um, cool the Papa teams in that team. Yeah, Jackie Robinson, Satchel Paige. Well, Robinson never played in the Negro Leagues. Did it? Oh, I, I don't think he did. No, well, that's right. No, he might have played for a little bit, but not for long before moving up into the majors. The majors. So yeah, Negro wow. League history, 1920 to 2020, years. So. Be on lookout for a lot of that history. That's, I guess, my stat of the week. Cool. I don't, I don't think we have a lot. There's just not a lot going on right now. I, I have a stat. On, okay, yeah. let's see what your stats All are. Right. Um, Chicago Cubs signed two-time All-Star and former Cleveland Indian Jason Kipnis to a wait. That's minor, official. Minor league deal, non-roster invitee to spring training. He could earn up to one million dollars. Uh, Chris oh, Lashley have fallen. Yeah, man. I'm not crying. You're crying. It's sad. No, you're crying because we get to cheer for all your favorite players now on our teams. That's true. <laughs> Everyone's leaving. <laughs> it's just, like it's like when your kids go to college and then they do well. And yeah. Just wait yeah. until the White Sox had 80 wins and you trade Francisco Lindor. <laughs> oh, oh, man. No. I think I hit a nerve there. Uh-oh. Oh, no. At least yeah. he got him through last year. So. Kip- Kipnis, good numbers for his career. I'm excited. Chicago guy. Nice guy, too. Almost, well... Killed the Cubs a couple times in the World Series. Almost put the nail in the coffin in Game 7. But He has a great commercial where um, all, all of his uniforms in his closet are dirty. Dirtbag. So, yeah. Uh, what do you got? My favorite. Uh, well, if we're, if we're just sitting on the Indians, Mike Clevenger <laughs> for a couple months. Uh, no, really? Today. Yeah. Oh, so oh. The number one in our rotation. Well, Chain Bieber. Number one or two, you could debate. Uh, he'll be out for some time, so the going gets tough. At least we signed Domingo Santana. Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> so my my uh, my stat of the week. It's really number thirty-seven. That's the amount of wins IU baseball got last season. Of course, they Ooh. are starting their season tonight in Baton Rouge, down in hey, LSU hey. against the Mighty Tigers, and maybe Joe Burrow will suit up or Coach L will throw a first pitch. That'd be pretty cool. Go Tigers! <laughs> Joe yeah. Burrow, uh, we'll have to wrap him in bubble wrap. For Future Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati. So I think, uh, I think that's all we got yeah, for so. this week. Wow. Uh, oh, the Reds brought back Derek Dietrich on a minor league contract. So that's all. Of, that's what we, we wanted love talking to about minor league deals. A lot of minor league deals. But yeah, so I think that's all we uh, all we got for this week. Uh, Will hit a uh, hit us with the outro music, dude.
This has been Out of Play. Like what you heard on this week's episode? Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter. You can find Jordan at Gould Tweets, Jackson at JBKinney19, and myself at Will Trubbs.